In the spirit and celebration of the Beijing Summer Olympics, ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, is happy to present this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. Intense competition and year-round scheduling demands are now common trademarks of adolescent sports. As a result, we see more and more sports-related injuries, including the all-too-frequent anterior cruciate ligament tear. Beyond asking our young athletes to delay their sports dreams until a later age, how can we prevent ACL injuries? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon, and our guest is Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, Practicing Orthopedic Surgeon and President of the Santa Monica Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Research Foundation in Santa Monica, California. Dr. Mandelbaum is the Principal Investigator of the ACL Prevention Project, with results published in the American Journal of Sports Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Mandelbaum. Pleasure to be here. We are discussing measures to prevent ACL injuries in our young athletes. Dr. Mandelbaum, tell us about your program, the PEP program. The PEP program, which basically means Prevent Injury Enhanced Performance, is a program that has different components that are designed to eliminate the potential of neuromuscular imbalance in the female athlete. One of the theories that we have had is that the female athlete, by virtue of the way she's been brought up into this world, or as our wives would say, the female has never been shown how to run, is that they tend to run, land, and jump with their, heat, with their hips and knees in extended position and their feet flat rather than on their toes, which is in comparison to young boys. It's, it's very different. The PEP program really focuses on these issues and brings to mind that there are really five components to it. One is to teach the avoidance aspects of it. The second is to teach the importance of flexibility. Third, the importance of teaching strengthening and specific strengthening of various muscle groups, such as the hamstrings, and specifically the eccentric hamstring strengthening, utilizing what are called the Russian or the Nordic hamstrings. Fourth, our plyometrics are ones that we teach these young athletes how to land and jump in a successful manner. And the fifth is teaching agilities by way of teaching balance and coordination as the athlete is moving around on the field or court. So it's those five components which are part of the PEP program, Prevent Injury, Enhance Performance Program. Would anyone ever say that the intensity of the athletics is just too much? Well, you know, in, in certain populations, the word relatively too much may be appropriate. And the answer, therefore, may be that we can compensate for certain situations. And our theory is, in these situations, that we can potentially teach and implement programs that will have an impact at reducing problems. I think there have been several paradigms that have shown that in sports medicine, and we're closely trying to follow that paradigm. In your research, you discuss proprioception as crucial for optimal motor performance. Could you expand upon this? Proprioception is very important, and that really gives the athlete a sense of how they can jump and land and run in three-dimensional space. We know that athletes must train this at different times. Again, a lot of their time they're spending a little bit out of control. And by training balance and coordination like this and how athletes get trained actually starts in, in the motor cortex. 
just like it would be through anything, whether it be playing a piano or walking. This is through a process of what we call neuroplasticity. So it starts in the motor cortex, and it comes down through the various spinal tracts, and ultimately results in the ability to land, jump, and compensate for a variety of landing and jumping that may be in an imbalanced situation. So this proprioception is a very important part of understanding and how we could affect the response, starting at the cortical response and going right through the the various spinal pathways down to the extremity. Well, how do you teach this? How do we teach this? We teach this through a program such as PEP. We teach people how to land and jump. We teach them how to move and coordinate and balance themselves with various perturbations. And I think that's how we're able to compensate for the question of, is it too intense for the young athlete? They're not used to this. And many times young athletes, by virtue of the fact that they can perform well, they can't prevent injury well, but they can perform well at very high speeds. They could kick a ball. They could shoot a ball. They could jump. But no one ever said that they could actually compensate and prevent them from being in a bad proprioceptive position that makes them susceptible to injury. And that's where we're really trying to focus is change the paradigm, allow people to understand, yes, this athlete may be able to perform, but they may not be able to prevent injury. Is this program designed to be done in conjunction with other weight training or endurance training? Well, at this point, our first step in designing the PEP program is, was focused on the target of young girls and specifically as a warm-up. And we've also designed a program for basketball. We also are in the process of developing a program that will be done off-season and focusing on the same types of details of eliminating these bad positions, if you will, and avoiding them overall. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine, on ReachMD XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and our guest is Dr. Bert Mandelbaum, practicing orthopedic surgeon and president of the Santa Monica Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Research Foundation in Santa Monica, California. Dr. Mandelbaum is the principal investigator of the ACL Prevention Project. We are discussing measures to prevent ACL injuries in our young athletes. Dr. Mandelbaum, is it realistic that we can teach our athletes to run, to jump, and land differently in ways that really might lessen the risk of injury? I think that if, in fact, we can teach these young athletes and change the paradigm of how they land and jump and run, I think we could certainly influence injury patterns both qualitatively and quantitatively. Well, when in their athletic career do we have to begin this? I personally believe, and really are the focus of one of our NIH studies at the present, is we're now focusing on the 10 to 14-year-old child. In such a way, we're beginning to train them, just like you would in physical education in school, and looking to see how we can impact these biomechanical and neuromuscular variables. Let's talk a little bit about other preventive measures available, such as the surface an athlete plays on, or even knee braces, or even changes in shoes. What about those aspects? You know, there are a wide number of researchers who have looked at these environmental variables, such as turf, the quality of the floor, friction coefficients, shoes, and there's only been a few studies, perhaps in American football, where cleat design is linked to anything that relates to differential rates of ACL injury. We've concluded that these are the reasons that none of these variables, that there is a consensus that this is a major risk factor in and of themselves. And what about knee braces? Knee braces also have been looked at. And several studies in the last 25 years have said that they are or not effective. And again, the same groups looking at the braces as risk factors 
have concluded that knee braces in and of themselves cannot prevent the incidence of ACL injury. Looking at your data, are there any significant drawbacks or limitations to this routine of exercises? Well, there are some drawbacks, but most of it is time. These are exercises and a program that has to be done for 15 or 20 minutes. And we certainly know that our children who are going out on the practice field for two hours, most coaches don't want to spend that 15 or 20 minutes for the obvious reasons. I think it's obviously time well spent, but the biggest downside is that it does take 15 or 20 minutes. The other interesting question is, as we get more stealth about the program, I think we'll be able to really focus the athletes in maybe 8 or 15 minutes as we get more efficient. But at this point, we don't know exactly which parts of the program are the most effective. We're learning more, and we ought to know more in the next few years, but at this point, our goal is to have more of a stealth program. Do you have a hunch that perhaps the stretching is one of the most important parts of the program? I think the stretching is, at this point, it's hard to discount any element of the present program until we really understand as we delete each of them to see if there's any significant impact to the program's efficacy. So I would say that stretching is a very important element in terms of the program overall. What about perhaps the reluctance of the youngsters to spend this time warming up, so to speak, and the compliance that they would do in terms of doing these exercises before they do their sports? Well, you know, it's got to be fun. At the end of the day, especially if you're dealing with kids 10 to 14 and younger, as we've learned from the NIH protocol, that it has to be fun. You've got to make games, and it has to be something that they're achieving a level of satisfaction, and as I said, most importantly, having fun. Are there any groups that are saying that this is really not necessary? You know, there are groups, and again, there are always naysayers that will say that, oh, the program doesn't do any good, this program is no good, that program is no good, because it's difficult to develop methodology to evaluate the efficacy of any of these programs. And quite frankly, that's why this NIH program and the CDC program and study that we've done as a randomized controlled trial is so essential because we, for the first time with a level one study, were able to show with 61 different universities statistical differences in terms of the program in comparison to control. I think it's pretty difficult for people when they're able to see that to be very critical of this particular study. Do you ever recommend these exercises for the males? I do. And I think, as we said, we only selected the female population because they are the target population at the greatest risk. But we think the variables are just the same. When you look at an ACL injury in a soccer or basketball playing male, the issues are exactly the same. They're just more accentuated in the female population. Do you think that in years to come, as the training becomes more and more sophisticated, that the injuries of the ACL in females will be much less? You know, I think it's always going to be a challenge because we're always dealing with new young people coming into the sport and the challenge of making this universally accepted where physical education and early coaching, and our goal is to have this to be part of early coaching licensure or the part of a physical education of an elementary school. But that is our hope and our goal, and I think we are in an implementation mode at this point. And hopefully we'll be able to get that across and develop these programs that way. Dr. Mendelbaum, are there any facets of your research still ongoing? Yes, we continue to look at it. And I think upcoming is going to be a randomized control trial where we're focused on the basketball player. I think that's a very important 
group that we need to focus upon. Again, it's the same target population. The incidence of ACL injury from basketball is just about the same as soccer and team handball, netball from around the world. And our goal is to develop a program that will be effective in terms of impacting the basketball player the same way we've done for the soccer player. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Bert Mandelbaum. We've been discussing measures to prevent ACL injuries in our young athletes. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment focused on sports medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening. You have been listening to Focus on Sports Medicine, part of this month's special series on ReachMD-XM-157, the channel for medical professionals.